little more peace is all it takes to live the dream. Walk hand in hand, we got to understand that one day soon we'll live in harmony. for our young people. I'm feeling a little not worthy to be up here with all those beautiful sounds and moves. Good morning and welcome to Middle Church on this Martin Luther King Sunday. If you will please stand now and join me in the call to worship printed in your worship bulletin. We will begin now by reading together. Now, we've got to get this thing right. What is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive, and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love. And justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. And this is what we must see as we move on. Amen. Amen. All right, Middle, the hymn is before you. I got yellow mic. Okay.
Thank you, Gospel Choir. We are spreading the blanket, friends. Young and young at heart, you're invited up to join us here on our blankets. It is an exciting Sunday at Middle Church. Yesterday, we marched with our third annual Women's March. Some of these young people were out in the cold yesterday. And today we get to celebrate MLK Sunday because tomorrow is what? What holiday do we have? Martin Luther King Day. Exactly. So young friends, I want to show you a picture of a book that Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote. It was the last book that was published before he was killed. It's called, Where Do We Go From Here? There's different versions of the book. You can see what the cover looks like. That's an important question. Where do we go from here? The book says chaos or community. Chaos or community. Division or unity. We could maybe put it in another phrase. And our friends in the 930, they answered that question. Because when I hear the question, where do we go from here? It makes me think of like a map. And our map sometimes has some twists and turns. It's not always like a, a straight, clear line. But our friends answered the question. Our young people said, sensible gun laws. Woo. Yeah. Our young people said that, okay? Lead with kindness. Listen well. Share what we have. Hope. We want to listen to our elders but we also want to have our young voices pointing us in what are our next steps. Where do we go from here? Yeah. Um, we share love. Share love. Mm-hmm. Environmental safety. Environmental safety. These are great next steps. Where else can we go from here? Jordana, I'm ready. Um, how about we go from the map then? We go on the map? Yeah. We follow the map. We follow the map. I love it. One more. Give me one more and it could be anything. We are dreaming of a new community, a new world, a new way of being. And you know when Jesus was in the wilderness? He was probably asking this question too. Animal safety? Oh, animal safety. Our young people think of everything. All right. Let's hold this and more as we continue to create this map together. Let's say a prayer, friends. We'll put our where do we go from here map right in the middle. You can link up with a hand. Dear God. Thank you that you lead as we ask the question, where do we go from here? Help us answer it together. Amen. Let's sing Siahamba. Happy MLK Sunday, y'all.
you get some Calypso Siohamba, you got to work with it. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Is it still morning? Yes. Okay. Happy Martin Luther King Day Sunday. Woo! So good to see you. You look beautiful today. You look like love to me today. How many of you are here for the very first time? Woo! Keep in mind. Raise the line. We are auditioning preachers, so we want to make sure we keep your hand up. Uh, our, we are so glad you're here. Our, our ushers want to bring you a card, so please keep your hand. Where are you from? Where are you from? New York. New York. Amen. Cool. Where are you from, love? Washington, D.C. Were you in the march? Oh, still good. Still good. Still good. Where, where are you from? Houston. Houston. Welcome. Where are you from? New York. Where are you from? Frederick, Maryland. Not just Maryland. Frederick, Maryland. Where are you from? D.C. Where are you from? D.C. San Antonio. Yay. Where are you from? They won't let you not tell. Where are you from, love? England. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Where are you from? New Orleans. Where are you from? Where? New York. That makes me want to sing, start spreading the news. Okay, we're so glad you're here. Let's wave to everybody that's online. Give them blessings. Happy King Day. We're not jealous that you're in your pajamas. I'm Jackie Lewis, and I just want to welcome you here. It's great that you're here. And let you know a couple of things. Ruby Sales was in the house today. Woo! That was a great conversation, and Harold is going to make sure that we get that online so you can look at it, share from it, and we're going to be talking about some of these concepts, so I'm really excited about that. After this worship celebration is our annual Martin Luther King Day Soul Food Brunch. Woo! Yes. So there'll be food. It'll be good, and you'll eat it. That's how that'll go. <laughs> and then after that, we have, we're showing a film uh, Wraith, the Rape of Reese Taylor is an incredible. Have you seen it in the, had a short release in the theaters? My goodness, it is hard and amazing and important film um, to, to help us to think about the intersectionality between racial justice and gender justice. And I'm letting, I'm letting Bertram know now that he will be joining Natalie Perkins in a conversation about the movie afterwards, because he's ready. So you'll, you'll, you'll watch, and then Natalie and Bertram will help us have a conversation about that this afternoon um, at 1.30. That's all for now. There's so many more wonderful things happening in the life of the church. Please look in the bulletin and think about ways you can connect do you want to pray? Do you want to march? Do you want to teach a class? We really would love to have you sing in the choir. Okay? So let's take a deep breath. And Bertram is going to lead us in a time of prayer. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Good morning, Middle Church. Good morning. I know there are some of us who prayed in a really particular way yesterday. Some of us who were with Jackie and Amanda in D.C. as we marched for women's justice the March for Women, and some of us were standing down at uh, a rally in Foley Square yesterday. Raise your hand if you were in the march in some way, one way or another. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for showing up, Middle Church. And even if you weren't there, you lifted your heart and your spirit in prayer for the rights of women and the dignity of women, not just in this city, but in every place. Today, as we move into our time of prayer, I invite you to go into that place of centeredness, to find that sense of peace and quiet in your heart, to offer your prayer there. And after a moment of brief silence, we'll hear 
our, our pastoral prayer, our pe- prayers of the people today sung by our beautiful gospel choir. So let's find that centeredness with God, our Holy One.
Let's continue our prayer by standing and taking hands and praying the prayer that's printed in our bulletin or the, pr or the prayer that's most familiar to you in your heart in whatever language you speak it, saying, Everlasting holy and holy God. God. Hallelujah. God, if we are waiting for that moment of love to arise, we are that moment. This is that moment. Let us share the peace and love of God with the people beside us. The peace of God be with each and every one of you. God's peace.
Good morning, Middle. Our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil laid, led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you, I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it would all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for him, from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The word of God for the people of God. Thank Thanks be to God. Amen. Wow. Are we having some worship up in here or not? Woo! Thank you, young people, for the beautiful, beautiful music that you offer. And thank you, choir. Thank you so much. I don't know, the band is just, you know, the amazing selves. And John, there are just really no words to say about all the amazing things you do to make it happen.
So, okay, bye. See you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Music that good, you're thinking, do you need a sermon? Yes, you do. Will you please say a word of prayer with me? God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as we seek to hear a word from you, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. I was reading one of the commentaries and it, it talked about a, a sketch by Da Vinci about this scripture. So I, of course I looked at the, the, the sketch. Have you seen this? A, a, one of Da Vinci's sketches about the story of Jesus and the devil having a conversation, a tempting conversation. Da Vinci sketches the devil as slightly skeletal, but not ugly. And his wings are out and he's got just one ing over Jesus' shoulder. Like, dude, let's have a chat type of look. It looks very intimate. It looks very cozy even. And I thought that's an interesting um, imagination about this conversation. It made me think that da Vinci was trying to normalize that all of us have a little talk with the devil sometimes. Of course, and that makes me think of Flip Wilson, and I'm, then I'm all over the place. <laughs> Do the young people know who Flip Wilson was? Okay, so. The devil made me do it, honey. Anyway. I was gonna get all the funny out because I got some stuff. So you got Da Vinci drawing this cute intimate picture of Jesus and the devil just kind of kicking it. Flip Wilson, the devil make me do it. Then, of course, all of us can hear the 40 days in this. So the 40 days Jesus is in the wilderness is kind of a hearkening back to the 40 years that. Jewish people wandered in the wilderness after God liberated them from slavery in Egypt, 40 years wandering. Then one of my female rabbi friends says, the only reason they wandered for 40 years is because the men refused to ask for direction. So I just want to get that on the table too. Okay. We all go through wilderness moments. I do. You have. Those kind of arid times in life where you're thirsting for some wisdom or insight or those times in life where you're hungry for acceptance and peace. All of us go through wilderness moments. America, to my mind, has been in not a 40-day or a 40-year, but a 400-year wilderness. So Dr. King's question then is my question today. Where do we go from here? This is one of his best books, not often quoted because we all get stuck in the dream speech which was outstanding. But King said, um, where do we go from here? And he says, we still have a long, long way to go before we reach the promised land of freedom. Yes. We have left the dusty soils of Egypt and we have crossed a Red Sea that had for years been hardened by a long and piercing winter of massive resistance. But before we reach the majestic shores of the promised land, there will still be gigantic mountains of opposition ahead and prodigious hilltops of injustice. Don't you love his writing? Just beautiful. Where do we go from here? I think that 
Jesus had some wisdom for us from the wilderness and King do. But let's talk about Jesus for just a moment. You know, when we're reading these texts about Jesus in the Bible and Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell this story, we can get into the kind of like, okay, Jesus is the child of God. Jesus is the son of God. We understand the narrative born, circumcised, then, you know, teaching in the temple, that's what Luke's telling us, and then baptized in the River Jordan. And when that happens, the spirit comes down in the form of dove and says, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. That's the divine thing. But it can be easy to forget that Jesus is a man. So let's think about the man. Let's think about the man born in, in a stable, the man born into a poor family, an Afro-Semitic poor family, a homeless baby, a refugee baby, who grows up in a time of empire. So the man, the, the African-Semitic man, the likely brown man from Nazareth and Palestine is living in occupied territory as an other, as a minority, as trash, as despondent, as dispossessed, not looked at with favor. This is who it is that is driven full of Holy Spirit, the text says, out into the wilderness. This is like a marginalized person driven into the wilderness. So what was it like to be Yeshua, you know, Mary's baby, Joseph's boy? What was it like to be Yeshua growing up poor and Jewish in occupied Roman territory? Can we imagine the, the daily stress and strife for that child, like maybe not enough food on the table, maybe picked on by friends, maybe looking around at the Romans and wondering why not me, maybe wrestling with his own internalized otherness. What was it like for him to be in the wilderness hungry? Like I think that's different than I'm the son of God and I'm hungry, but probably been hungry some other time hungry. And when he's tempted by the, the, the ha-satan, the adversary, to think about taking a stone and turning it into bread, Jesus says, humans don't live by bread alone. My identity is not just that I am poor, disenfranchised, and your perspective doesn't shape me. I think he is fighting with his own sense of colonization his colonized mind. So my first wisdom from the wilderness is we have got to, in order to get to the promised land, in order to get to liberation, in order to get to freedom, we've got to decolonize our minds. Can you say decolonize our minds? Decolonize our minds. So King said this. He said, that the Negro was suffering from cultural homicide and that the Negro needed to rise up in affirmation of his own personhood, of her own personhood, that no Emancipation Proclamation, no Civil Rights Bill could actually really liberate the Negro, the African-American in America from all of the hot mess that shaped their personhood. Does that make sense to you? So, I'm thinking Jesus, dispossessed, black Americans, dispossessed, a colonized, empired mind that needs to made, be made free. In other words, each of us has to write our own liberation story to free our minds. Jackie, are we still colonized today? Oh, 
Heck yeah, we're still colonized today. You know what breaks my heart? And I don't want to pick on anybody's hairdo. Let me scan. Okay, forgive me, still. You know what breaks my heart? I'm out on the mall, marching with a bunch of women for liberation and freedom, and I see all these young African-American women with those fancy new lacy wigs on, with beautiful natural parts. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're wearing shorn hair, cut off of Asians in some foreign land, and they're beautiful now because our colonized mind has still taught little black girls that they're not pretty unless their hair flows. Why can't we love our natural hair? Why can't we be nappy and fabulous? Why do our young black children get taught still that chocolatey brown people are not as beautiful, not as smart, not as bad as, as our light-skinned brothers and sisters? We still got some paper bag tests to pass. We still talking about good hair and bad hair. What? It's 2019, and we're living with colonized mind. Our boys practice fake machismo junk on the basketball court and in classrooms, rapping videos that sexualize and, and stigmatize black girls. We have a colonized mind. And white people, you could be thinking that's not your problem, but it is. If we consume colonized mind, if we repeat colonized mind, if we watch commercials with colonized mind, it gets in all of us. Black people are not that smart. Black people are not that nice. Black people are not that wonderful. A recent study, a recent scientific study shows that white people and black people react differently to the words African-American and black. African-American and black. Black might be a criminal. Black might be a thug. Black, what they wrote about you might be true. African-American, not so much. Words matter. In the time of Dr. King, he was quoting how many words in the thesaurus that are synonyms with black are negative. Read Toni Morrison's playing in the dark, like black, ugly, Sooty, a black lie is worse than a white lie, right? That, that your, your blackness is, is something to be loathed. That is still in our consciousness today. And black people aren't the only ones with colonized minds. When little white boys with Make America Great Again hats on stand up and taunt an indigenous elder, just in their face, and all the little white children behind them are like, yeah, this is what we do. That's a colonized mind. When the president of the United States of America shuts down the government in a political stunt to keep a race-laced political promise, that's a colonized mind. And anybody, anybody, we were lobbying on Friday, you know, haunting the House of Representatives with our call for Medicare for everyone, that everyone ought to be able to have health care and it's a human right. Anybody, anybody who doesn't understand that this nation was built 
on stolen land by the strong black bodies stolen off the shores of Africa, that's a colonized mind. Our shared responsibility as people of faith is to learn in the wilderness how to decolonize, how to de-empire our minds. Some of the things we think are right, some of the ways we think the social order ought to be, like somehow poverty is a product of not praying hard enough or not pulling yourself up from your bootstraps, that's a colonized mind. That somehow men should make more money than women, that's some colonized mind. And I'm getting so much hate mail just for speaking about love yesterday out on the mall. Just love is love is love. Just writing and preaching and saying that Christians don't have the monopoly on love. That's colonized mine too. As soon as Constantine makes Christianity the state religion, it's colonized, it's empired. Our job, Christian folks, I'm talking to the Christians because I'm a Christian. Our job, Christian folks, is to disconnect white supremacist ideology from so-called Christianity. That's colonized mind. Somebody say amen. <laughs> say amen. Come on now. Come on now. We cannot broker, we cannot broker in this lie that God is on the side of Christians and white men with money. We cannot broker in the lie that God only loves straight people. We cannot broker in the lie that there's only one way to God. How puny is that God? I refuse to work for that God. Okay, so we're gonna decolonize our minds. The second wisdom from the wilderness is to understand what true power is. Now, Dr. King had some really beautiful words about power, and you heard some of that in the call to worship. Let me just read this to you again. We got to get this thing right, he says. What is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive. Power without love is reckless and abusive. And love without power is sentimental and anemic. So when Jesus gets taken up on the thing with the devil who's kind of got his wing hooked around, look, dude, let me show you. See that? All the kingdoms of the world will be yours if you'll just worship me. And Jesus is basically saying, dude, your kingdom is a wimp compared to the kingdom of God. Your kingdom ain't nothing compared to the kingdom of God, is what Jesus is saying. And that kingdom's value is simply love. I'm not talking about wussy, is that okay to say? Uh, Nammy, Pammy, codependent love. I miss you, baby love. I'm talking about love that knows how to harness power and organize and move toward freedom together. Dr. King says, love, excuse me, power must correct poverty. It must abolish uh, slavery. How does he say it? He says, power at its best is love. Say that with me. Power at its best is love. 
implementing the demands of justice. And justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. True power understands that we have got to turn all of our energy against white supremacist ideology. True love has to understand that we are not free until all of God's people are free. Which is to say, true love turns its gaze, its laser gaze, in all of its energy to dismantle every system of oppression. True love as power disrupts the sense of incarcerating people over smoking weed. True power as love breaks down the walls that separates us. True power as love understands that every child ought to be able to have food on the table. Do you know how many poor children there are living in the United States of America? 17.5% of all American children live in poverty. Do you know what the poverty line is in America? Are you ready for this? A family of four making $25,100. Can you live, can, Bertrand, can you live on $25,100? Can four people live on $25,100? Our moral imagination needs some correcting. When we participate in the kind of broken belief that poverty is a condition that some people deserve and some people don't, when we participate in a capitalist, forgive me, system that believes that some people can be uber rich while we walk on top of other people laying on the streets, when we live in a system in which we don't critique the kind of economic strata that's been created for us and just somehow own it as though we can't do anything about it, worse than it is a blessed by God system, somebody say that ain't right. That ain't right. It, right. it ain't right. Love understands that we can create a kingdom, a, a realm, a society in which everyone has enough. This is not some pipe dream. In the, in the time when Dr. King wrote this beautiful book, um, Where Do We Go From Here? Kenneth Galbraith said it would take $20 billion for every citizen in America to have a job or make a living wage. And at that time, the Vietnam War cost more than that. At that time, um, policing cost more than that. Today, I don't have Kenneth here to ask him how much money it would take to give all of Americans a living wage, but don't you think we can do it together? Don't you think we have enough love power to make sure that every child has food on the table and has a safe place to lay their heads? Don't you think we have enough love power to make sure that everybody has health care? This is not a faraway possibility. In fact, the, William, the Women's March uh, policy platform right now calls for Medicare for all. Check it out, go to the platform, Medicare for All. It's going to be something we push for for 2020. One single pair, making sure that all of God's people can both eat their food and buy their medicine. That's what I'm talking about. So decolonizing our mind and also understanding that the real power we have is to love one another. And to love one another is not some wimpy, sappy thing to say. It is to put our lives on the line to create a more just society. 
is no less than that. Y'all look a little nervous. <laughs> I'm serious about disrupting the systems that we believe are blessed by God. That's just a wholesale lie. And we've got to do something about it. The third thing I think that we learn from the wilderness, uh, Jesus goes up on this, you know, temple platform and looks down over the world with, with the devil. And the devil says, throw yourself down and let's see if God will save you. The devil is saying, kill yourself, uh, commit suicide, and let's see if you'll bounce back up, you know? He's advocating violence, violence against the self, and viol violence against others. So the third thing I want to say we need to learn from the wilderness is how we dismantle the structures and systems that separate us one from another. Now, certainly in the backdrop of what I'm saying right now is just, you know, my, my, the heartbreaking way that the women's movement, the, the women's march movement, just about fell apart. Didn't, thank you God, but just about fell apart because, because a man named Farrakhan said some anti-Semitic things and a woman named Tamika didn't renounce her elder. Now, I would be absolutely wrong if I pretended like anti-Semitism isn't a real thing. It is a huge problem, and it's on the rise all around the globe. It is as pernicious and persistent as is American racism. Amen? Amen. That, that black people and Jewish people would ever be at odds about anything, it's cray-cray. Uh, that's an African-Semitic rabbi teaching us about love, and the one thing that white supremacy has made us all have in common is we don't like Jews and we don't like black people. That's America. Amen? It's horrifying. It's horrifying the way we have constructed a culture in which the only folks that can count on being safe and blessed and loved is white straight men with a whole lot of money. But what we have to do as people of God is find a way to break down these crazy silos and boxes that we put ourselves in that make us turn toward each other in hatred and rage. How crazy is that? The gays against the straights and the blacks against the whites and the Jews against the Muslims and ain't nobody got enough of anything that we need to survive. We have to dis disrupt and dismantle false boxes in which we find ourselves because those boxes are not freedom, they're jails. And we are not liberated until we break those shackles. We are not free until everybody's free. And to use some old-fashioned language, we ain't saved until everybody's saved. How are we going to continue to silo one another and demand allegiance to a couple of creeds that proof text that it's okay for me to love you and march with you, but it's not okay for me to love you and march with you. We created religion as a way to love our God, and instead, religion has become a maniacal, horrific way to keep us apart from one another. I'm calling us to a new religion called love. And I hope the haters are watching. If you think God doesn't love my Jewish sister or my Muslim brother, you're in the wrong business, baby. 
our job is to create a new race called human and a new religion called love because nothing else in the end really matters. We've been in the wilderness for 400 years, friends. And the only way we're going to pull ourselves out of the hot mess we've created is to decolonize our minds. To understand that the only true power is found in love. And to dismantle all of the boxes and silos and codes and creeds that we've created to, to have shorthand for who we can care about and who we can't. And to create a, a, a liberated movement of humankind moving toward the promised land together. Are you ready to do that? Yes. Are you ready to do that? Yes. Are you able to do that? Yes. Because our boxes make us feel safe. They do. But they also confine us and limit our ability to go. So I'm looking for a box-free a box-free congregation. Amen? Amen. 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 Good afternoon, Middle Church. My name is Alan Singleton, and I have been a member for the past five years. I'm so happy to be here today because it is Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday celebration. Amen. And I feel privileged to have met this great man nearly 60 years ago. Many of you read about my love for middle in the newsletter, the first Sunday of Advent. Yes, it was love at first visit. Yes. The warmth and love generated throughout the church was immediately felt. Also, that was the Sunday of the taping of the most beautiful Christmas Eve special program for CBS. The feedback was amazing the phone calls from friends around the country praising the outstanding Christmas service to include the music, Jackie's Christmas uh, homily, the fantastic diversity of the audience, and the church so beautifully decorated. I love my friends, and because I'm always talking about Middle and how much I love the church, many of my friends express their commitment to support Middle financially. and want to visit the church when they are in New York this year. Middle Collegiate is love, unconditional love, and revolutionary love. Mm -hmm. I constantly ask myself, what more can I do for Middle? If you love Middle Church as I do, please give generously to support the many programs sponsored by this church. Giving is important and also easy. <laughs> you can give in the envelope in the pew in front of you or set up a recurring donation online at middlechurch.org. If you love middle like I do, 
Why not join the church? And to make this happen, see one of the staff at the pulpit after worship or join online. It's super easy. <laughs> Just go to our website. I love you, Middle. Thank you. Possessions anyone could ever have, but it's all worthless treasure. True worth is only measured not by what you got, but what you've got in your heart. You could have, you could have everything, but what does it, what does it mean? It all But what you're giving And if you bet on love There's no way you'll ever lose Take a stand, make a stand For what's right It's always worth, it's always worth a fight It all means nothing If you don't stand up Like the day began 
reach out and touch with the Savior's hand. On rock we stand like it's native land. Let the waves of love be the waves of as we bring our gifts into the storehouse. Lord, we ask that you accept these tithes and offerings. We ask that you bless those who were able to give as well as bless those who weren't able. We trust, Lord, that you will guide this church in using these gifts to do your will in meeting the needs of your people as we stand up. And finally, Lord, we thank you that although some of us are sitting right here in the wilderness, either self-imposed or imposed upon us, we thank you. We thank you because you are in charge. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us exactly as we are. Amen. Amen. We're going to close. You may be like, well, what is this? Do I know it? You will know it when you hear it, my friends. <laughs> Peace. 
We still got some learning to do. I think our lessons are, 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 are clear. We have to let go of the things in our mind that have colonized us, empired us, all of us. We hear about internalized racism. I'm saying internalized empire. Can we get rid of that as just a part of our human project and teach our children the same? Can we understand that the only true power is love, not violence, not hatred, love. Love correcting everything that stands against love. That's where the power is. And finally, can we make our lives about dismantling, disrupting, breaking down these walls and silos and false categories? My therapist, mama friend Lynn, um, says, of course, we have more than one self. And we do. Like there's more than one kind of person, and there is. But those walls, those barriers, those categories, when we use them to keep us apart, they are just plain a pain in the behind. And we just have to let that go. And create a new race called human and a new religion called love. That is our calling. That is our human project. So we can get to the promised land. So we can walk toward the light that we all might be free. Give us free. free. Give us free. free. Give us free. free. Give us free. free. Amen.